hey, how can you believe in yourself to an unbelievable level? You know, how can you focus on the right thing at the right time? How can you stand tall when that hurricane of, you know, pressure swirls around you? The old school approach was, well, you're either born with it or you're not. To me, these are just skills that we could all learn and develop. Welcome to the All In Podcast, and I'm so honored that this is the first episode of 2022. Whether you have a positive outlook or a negative outlook on this next year, I hope that this podcast can inspire you to go all in on your goals, your dreams, your life, and on doing the things that just bring you the most joy. Today, we have a very special guest. He's a very special guest not only because he's worked with some of the top experts in the world and is well-renowned for his work, but also because his book had a large impact on me when I was transitioning from snowboarding into the sport of CrossFit. Jim Aframo is a mental skills coach, the author of The Champion's Mindset, and several other amazing books for athletes and those looking to build a more resilient mind. In this podcast, we talk about some of the things that athletes often struggle with, whether that's confidence, self-awareness, mental toughness. We talk about the difference between just being good and being great. We talk about good leadership. So whether you're an athlete or not, I think this episode has a lot of information to dive into. We also bring up some of his most popular quotes. There's some some of these quotes you have probably heard about if you're into motivation, mindset, or are an athlete. And we talk about them and get some more context, which I absolutely love. Things like champions play to win. Failure is just feedback. There's everything to gain by trying your best. We talk a lot about mental toughness. We talk about the importance of building values and how that ties into discipline and motivation. We also dive a little bit into his books, his game changer habit, and how he is building an impact. So without further ado, let's go all in. Jim, welcome to the All In Podcast. I'm so happy to have you on. Thanks, Nat. Looking forward to a fun conversation with you. Yeah, so like I, I was saying, I, I read your book, The Champion's Mind. I know you got several other books. Could you list out you know, your whole kind of repertoire of books now? Well, I've got four main ones now. So the first one was The Champion's Mind. Um, and then I followed that up with The Champion's Comeback. So uh, I had to make my own comeback uh, in terms of writing the second book. Um, that book's more about resilience and kind of overcoming injuries and obstacles, uh, other types of obstacles. And then, uh, the young champions mind. Um, so, uh, you know, a little bit more age appropriate for teens and then a brand new book is the leader's mind, which is, um, you know, how, how to basically, uh, lead yourself and then lead others. And whether you, you know, leadership is, is a formal title for you or not. Uh, there are opportunities for all of us to be leaders in our life. And, uh, but yet we were, most of us aren't really prepared for those opportunities. And so uh, the goal is to make the best of those when they, when they present themselves. I love that. I think that's so important and uh, especially important for people in in the new year, maybe kick it off with reading one of these books. I'm definitely going to read the champions comeback as I've been, I've been rehabbing a torn rotator cuff for two years. So mm. that basically the champions comeback seems like uh, what my life is like right now. I'm in the, uh, the comeback stage. That's right. Yeah. It, uh, uh, sports, uh, you know, physical, physical activity isn't always easy on the body. <laughs> so, uh, you know, most athletes are never at a hundred percent as you know. Um, and, uh, but then sometimes we deal with, uh, more moderate or even major injuries and, you know, most athletes or, or people will say, man, the, the mental side and emotional side of that was much harder than the physical side in terms of getting their game back or, you know, their confidence back. Mm, yeah, 100%. I think that's probably the biggest question I've gotten. And even from listeners of the podcast is, you know, how can I get be, have confidence in myself after an injury? Maybe I'll, I'll hit you with that question, because I think that'd be a great one to answer. Yeah, well, first of all, when you leave your sport physically, uh, from a mental standpoint, make sure you don't leave it mentally. And what I mean by that is, uh, it's actually uh, a great opportunity uh, you know, once you get over the you know, the initial pain and, you know, maybe surgery or whatever of what happened, but to start looking at it as, okay, how can I really work on my mental game? Because a lot of times uh, athletes will say, you know, I, I wish I had more time to work on my mental game. You know, I'm a busy student athlete or, you know, I'm a pro athlete traveling all the time. 
Um, and so a lot of athletes that I've worked with have said, man, I'm not only going to get my game back, I'm going to be sharper mentally than I've ever been before. And so part of that is through mental reps. So visualization. Uh, so I encourage athletes when you're watching your teammates work out uh, and you're sidelined, visualize yourself out there doing the same thing that they're doing, or when they're on the field playing in competition, you know, visualize yourself out there making plays and, and being the player that you want to be. But overall, the whole goal is, uh, you know, is your injury, your recovery, the rehab process, is that going to be time well spent or time wasted? And it's up to us whether we make the best of it or maybe even get worse through it. Um, a lot of times athletes will never get their game back because they kind of go through the motions with the rehab and recovery and then don't work on the mental or emotional aspects either. I think that's such an important mindset to have to basically transfer that time into what can I also be getting better at? And like you said, a lot of athletes, they feel like they don't have the time to do the mental reps or maybe they hurt their arm and they realize, you know, I've had a naggy, you know, knee bugging me for like a year. Now's my time to do the prehab or what was the, you know, the, the mechanical failure, the movement failure that led to this wrist injury, for example, how can I fix that? So it doesn't happen when I get back, but a lot of people, they might just, you know, hole up in their room and I understand, you know, some injuries are quite traumatizing, but it's, it's important to bounce back as quickly as possible in my mind. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is you got to love the comeback more than you hate the setback. And, and that's a little bit of a process. It's okay to, you know, feel a little bit down in the dumps for, for a little bit, you know, we're not robots or computers. We're going to have some pretty strong negative feelings about what happened, but uh, you know, uh, whatever comes our way in life, I think a champion's mindset is whatever comes our way in life, uh, I'm going to find a way to take advantage of this or, you know, somehow use this uh, to make me better. And uh, a lot of athletes do. And they come back and say, man, I, you know, I fell back in love with my sport or I have a you know fresh perspective on my sport or I was able to work on other aspect, aspects of my game like you're talking about or I'm talking about uh, or even just, you know, man, I picked up some hobbies or some other things that really helped, you know, kind of just you know, help me to feel better about myself. And now I'm ready to dedicate everything you know, again, back to my sport. Mm, I think that's so important. And there's been a lot of talk about, you know, uh, optimism and then negativity and then neutral. And in my mind, what you said is, you know, some people might be like, well, that's just optimistic thinking. But in my mind, that's that's neutral thinking. It's, you know, this happened. What can I do to, to move forward? Because what do we get from kind of complaining or, you know, dwelling or reliving it over and over? Yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of neutral thinking, to be honest. Um, Number one is we have a negativity bias uh, that's just built into us. Um, and so that's why, you know, research shows we have, and I change the numbers every time I share this, but, you know, uh, because I read different reports, but, you know, anywhere from 40, 60, 80,000 thoughts per day, and most of them are negative. So we don't start from a neutral standpoint. We start from a negative standpoint. And the brain is, you know, hardwired to keep us safe. And not not necessarily to make us successful. So I think in order to overcome the negativity bias, just, you know, I'm going to keep it neutral or I'm going to keep it, you know, just I'm not going to put any, you know, spin on it. Uh, I've never worked with a champion that doesn't, you know, think optimistically or positively. Um, doesn't mean you have to overdo it and, or be cheesy about it, you know, like I'm the best and, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I'm big on optimism maybe a little touch of pessimism in terms of practice and training in terms of, you know, am I working on the right things? Am I missing something? Uh, you know, am I, am I really prepared for everything that could happen in competition, but when it's time to perform or on game day, I think you need to be psychotically optimistic that, you know, something good's going to happen. And then when something doesn't happen as we expected, man, something good's going to happen now, <laughs> you know, so like kind of what's possible now. Uh, I had the good fortune to talk with Dusty Baker, who's the manager for the Astros, and he's managed several uh, Major League Baseball teams and 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 was a long-term great player when he played in the Major Leagues back in the day. And uh, he, he was right on the money with this. You know, he said, you know, if you want to play lucky, you got to think lucky. That was his favorite quote from uh, Luke Appling, a former Major League uh, Baseball uh, Hall of Famer. But also he said, I, not only did I try to play that way, I try to manage that way too. So when things aren't going well during a game, I'm always thinking, at least in my own head, you know, uh, well, we still got three innings left or, you know, we still have them, you know, uh, uh, you know, good hitters coming up to get us back in the game. So he's always constantly thinking of something good about to happen. And, you know, kind of along those lines, 
Uh, I've never had an athlete say to me after a game or, you know, after a season, even, I wish I was more pessimistic or I wish, I, you know, I wish, I wish I was more neutral. It's always, you know, I probably could have been a little more positive or a little bit more optimistic. I love that. And I appreciate you for sharing that. I want to, uh, you know, you, you talked about confidence. You've mentioned it a few times. So I want to hit, hit you with the, the hard hitting question of what do you think is the number one thing that athletes, you know, struggle with when they haven't ever gotten into mental training or mindset, whether that be confidence, self-awareness, mental toughness, is there one main thing that you see? I think confidence is, is, uh, the single most important factor. Um, obviously, you know, self-awareness, uh, you know, it's hard to get better at anything unless you're somewhat self-aware, but in terms of mental skills and strategies, uh, I'm really big on confidence because the opposite of confidence is anxiety. So confidence is, you know, I, I, you know, I believe in myself. I, I think I can do this. Um, you know, I like my chances. Um, uh, you know, you respect the competition, but you respect yourself even more. Uh, where anxiety, you know, and stress and worry, which most athletes have, um, you know, really blocks us up and, uh, and holds us back. And that's like, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was, or, you know, I'm not feeling perfect, so I can't play, play well. Or, you know, we start looking for reasons for things to go wrong or to believe in the competition more than we believe in ourselves. So the best athletes tend to be the most uh, confident athletes. And that doesn't mean that they're not humble enough to learn or prepare. It just means that when it's time to perform, it's like, man, I really believe in myself to an unbelievable level. Yeah. We see it all the time where there's an athlete who might perform amazing in training or in the gym or whatever it is. And then they get to the competition floor and they're like a basket case and they don't, you know, hit anywhere near their personal bests or um, whatever they were expected of. And something I've, I've noticed is I, I think coaching is moving away from this, which I, I think is a good thing. But what I, what I noticed for a long time, and I've been in that environment where coaches kind of they kind of diminish the confidence of an athlete by constantly, you know, pitting them up against another athlete, comparing themselves in training. And so this athlete's always training scared, like they could get cut or if they don't perform against this person, they're going to, you know, have a negative repercussion or be judged by the coach. What do you think about that? And, and do you see coaching moving towards maybe a more positive space? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, confidence can be pretty fragile. And, and um, one of the sources of confidence is uh, verbal persuasion. So having other people around us that know what they're talking about, say, hey, you, you can do this, you've got this. Uh, uh, I've seen you do it before. Um, and, um, you know, that's your real game, uh, when you're performing your best, um, and making things happen out there. Uh, I do think that a really good question for coaches to ask their athletes individually is, um, you know, what do I need to know about you as an athlete to help you to feel more confident or to help be the best coach I can be for you? You know, maybe also, uh, what do you want to know about me so that you feel that, you know, you could trust me or that, you know, what I'm talking about, or, um, that I view you more as a person than just a productivity machine. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think, yeah. So I think that, uh, uh, coaches could ask because some players actually, you know, sometimes coaches are surprised, you know, uh, an athlete might say, you know, I love when you're tough on me because, uh, you know, that really gets my competitive juices flowing. And another athlete might be like, man, when you kind of remind me that um, I've done this before and I could do it again, that really, you know, puts me in a winning state of mind. I love that. And I think that's, that's so important. And I'm happy that the conversation, even, you know, with mental health with athletes is kind of moving coaching further towards that stage, because sometimes, you know, I think a lot of us have experienced coaches in our lives where it was pitting ourselves against each other, or maybe they wanted to kind of knock your confidence just to test you, which maybe isn't the best when you're a young athlete and you're developing. Absolutely. And, and like you said, in terms of mental health, you know, maybe there's something going on off the field or, um, you know, in your personal life that, uh, that's really difficult. And, uh, so, you know, I think that's important for coaches to be able to, you know, ask their athletes like, Hey, if something's going on that, you know, I don't maybe need to know all the specifics, but, you know, but if something's going on, that's, you know, really testing your, your mental health, uh, you know, maybe parents are going through a divorce or there's been a loss in your life, you know, those kind of things, let me know. So I could just be aware of it and then, you know, support you in any way that I can. Uh, I think that's really important, but yeah, confidence is, uh, uh, it is gold, you know, in terms of, you know, because 
you know, the higher you go up in your sport, the physical differences kind of, you know, uh, wash out a little bit. And so, you know, it's, it's really about believing yourself because, you know, sport is really designed and, you know, to be honest, life is this way too, where it's trying to break you down almost every day. And so, um, you know, if you're not really believing in yourself, then lots of luck. Right. And I, I love that you mentioned that, you know, at the top level, there's not that many physical differences. And so confidence can make a big difference. And so I'm curious what your opinion is on the difference between, let's say, you know, those who make the top level, like just an, an average NBA player and then a LeBron James. Like, what's the difference between good and great? Yeah, the, to me, it's, uh, you know, there are some, uh, you know, what what I kind of get a kick out of the term freakazoids, <laughs> you know, like they're, you know, they're just so physically talented, you know, like, you know, you might be someone like Usain Bolt or, you know, Mia Hamm with that, you know, with her leg and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Michael Phelps with his wingspan and, you know, flipper feet, you know, and all those kind of things. But um, to me, it's just, you know, it boils down to a lot of confidence that we talked about a lot of, you know, concentration, they're able to focus on the right thing at the right time, uh, composure, they're able to keep their cool under pressure. Uh, I love the saying that, uh, cool heads win hot games. You, you, you got to keep your cool when, you know, things are tough out there and then commitment, they're all in, um, and, and then, uh, you know, and then there's that probably if you added another C it'd be competitiveness. They, um, I've worked with some athletes that they don't really truly love their sport, but they love to win. They love to compete. They love, they love champ being challenged. And so um, I think that's a big one. They go out there to compete their best and they're always trying to get better at what they do. Mm, I, I, you see those people when they retire from their sport, they can switch sports, they could go into business, whatever it is. And they're always going to succeed because they have those, those traits and they have that competitiveness. Like you mentioned, I love seeing them take on new realms after sport because it's so exciting to see how that mentality crosses over into all aspects of life. That's so important. Uh, I encourage uh, student athletes, you know, compete in the classroom. And then as we talked about recovery from injury, uh, you know, make rehab your new sport until you get your game yes. back. And then, you know, in terms of transitioning beyond, you know, your athletic career is find your new sport, so to speak. And for some that might be, you know, in the boardroom for others, it might be, you know, some more business venture, you know, in terms of, you know, being an entrepreneur or it could be, you know, some have gone to medical school or law school, whatever it is, um, uh, you know, see how good you can get at that. Love it. So I'm, I'm really excited to try out this new format with you. I, I put a bunch of your quotes on a, on a sheet here, and I'm basically going to read them off to you. And then if you could provide just some more context uh, to them, that would be, that would be awesome. So the first one is if you can spot greatness in someone else, then you already have some of that greatness within you because only a person with similar traits can recognize those traits in others. Yeah, that's uh, usually when we see other people do things well, we, we get psyched out instead of, you know, what I think is we should get psyched up. I mean, they're showing us what's possible. And then, you know, usually those qualities that uh, we really admire in others, we have, you know, why do we admire those in others? Because there's part of us that have, you know, that we have those same qualities, but maybe aren't as fully expressed as, we, as we'd want them to be. And, um, so it's an opportunity. It's like, man, that person's really driven or that person's, you know, really confident. How can I be more like that instead of, well, that's, I just wasn't born like that, or they've had all the breaks or, you know, they're just different from me. Uh, it also works in the reverse, uh, Carl Jung, the, the, the famous psychoanalyst, uh, Jungian therapist now, but, um, he, uh, he talked about the things that we also don't like in other people, you know, <laughs> can remind us of, you know, or probably some of the things that we don't like about ourselves too. So it could work the other way too. So if we see someone else being, you know, selfish or a teammate, you know, uh, maybe not reaching out to everyone else on the team in terms of great communication, I think it's just instead of just saying, hey, man, they're a bad teammate or a bad person. It's like, man, when do I act like that? And how can I get better at that? I, I love that quote. And I love the, the context behind it, because I think, you know, in this day and age of social media, there's been a lot of people talking about, you know, how it's bad to compare yourself and how social media can trigger you and you compare yourself against these other people negatively and positively. But what so what I've kind of changed my mindset about it is for sure, if you're in, you know, maybe you're struggling with mental health perhaps, you know, unfollow those people that are triggering you. But at the same time, I think it can be some very insightful feedback, especially if you're going through like a growth stage with your mindset where you see something and you find yourself comparing yourself or you're like, I don't like this or this other person. 
that can be a really easy way to like get a reflection. Maybe you're not in a relationship, maybe you're at home because of the pandemic and you're not having personal interactions to have that. But through social media, you could say, I don't like this about that other person. What does that say about me? Or I'm mm -hmm. getting triggered by this. What, what does that say about me? Or I'm comparing to this person. Maybe I have a little bit of that. So I, I love this quote because it can kind of turn that concept on its head where it's not necessarily a bad thing to compare yourself in that way when it could maybe push you to grow or reflect and have more self-awareness. Yeah, great way of putting it. And and let's let's all be honest here. It's just human nature to do it. So saying, you know, I don't compare myself to others or I'm never going to compare myself to others uh, it, it isn't being honest. And so um, we're going to do it anyway. Um, but so being aware of it, you talked about self-awareness at the very beginning. Be aware that, OK, maybe we're probably doing too much of it. <laughs> but 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 when we do it. Um, again, how can I learn from that person if it's something that I don't like so that I can make myself better at that? Or if someone else is doing really well, it's like, hey, man, that's awesome. Uh, good for them. Let's see if I can do that as well, or maybe in my own way. So it doesn't have to be the same way. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a great differentiator. So the next one is tension is who you think you should be. Relaxation is who you are. Yeah, well, we get our ego, uh, you know, fired up whenever we perform or compete, and and uh, and and that leads to us not only trying to perform a task, but then also thinking, you know, what's everyone else gonna say about my performance? And then we start getting tense, uptight, and kind of nerdy about the situation. Whereas when we're at our best, I think we're more free and loose and athletic, and and we really open up to whatever is happening in the moment, and so. Uh, when we're feeling a lot of ten uh, tension or stress, uh, usually we're we're overthinking things and, and not believing in ourselves. Um, you know, the opposite would be in the zone or in a flow state uh, where, you know, we're not really we don't really have an ego attachment to what's going on. We're not trying to protect our self image. Um, we're not trying to get something from what we're doing. We're just trying to, you know, really be intentional and enjoy what we're doing, being in, more in the moment. And so. Um, that's the ideal state. Um, you know, uh, Joe Madden would say, you know, uh, you know, be present, not perfect. He's the manager when, you know, the Cubs won their first world series in a hundred years. And, and also he would kind of, in a funny way, say, we don't want any tight butts here in the, uh, in the clubhouse, which means, you know, like, like just be yourself. And, um, uh, even Tiger Woods, you know, I mean, he's got, he's, you know, he's, he's had some challenges and some things happen in his life, uh, that would be too, you know, too numerous to mention right now, but I love one time he was asked, you know, what, what's the best advice for dealing with pressure? And he said, just be yourself simple. And so when we're trying to be someone we're not, that's, I think when we feel a lot of tension and stress. Right. And trying to, you know, maybe put it on a front or, or be, yeah, someone that you're, you're not, it takes a lot of work. Like there's a lot yeah. of work to that. You can't keep that up. Like you have to think of, Oh, how, how do I keep presenting this, this false image? And um, yeah, I, I love what you said is it's relaxed to be yourself. Yeah. There's uh it's relaxed. It, it's easy. Wait, you know, I think, the, uh, you know, kind of one aspect of com of confidence and even, and even, uh, you know, just uh, kind of self-love is just uh, being comfortable in our own skin. And so, you know, when you're comfortable in your own skin, you're not really tense and uptight. Yeah. All right. So the next one is, and I mean, I think this is kind of a, a pretty popular one, is the vision of a champion is someone who is bent over, drenched in sweat at the point of exhaustion when no one else is watching. Um, I, I think that a lot of people think that top athletes, like they don't get tired. They, they don't have any doubt. They don't have intrusive thoughts during a workout. Like, is this too tough or whatever? P personally, I think it's the difference is how they react to that. I think everyone has those thoughts and it's like, how, how do you react to that? And do you keep going and do you do that when nobody is watching? So I'd love, love your thoughts on this one. Yeah. To me, it's a, a lot about commitment to, to excellence and, um, you know, I'm going to really work hard and pay my dues. And, um, and, and a lot of the best athletes I've been fortunate enough to be around have said, you know, they almost like training in some ways as much or more than competition because, um, you know, it's really you versus you. And, 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 and there's always going to be a little bit of a part of us that, you know, Hey, I want to settle. I want to, you know, I want to start looking at my watch right before the workouts over, you know, uh, because I'm, you know, kind of, uh, you know, hitting a wall here, but, and, and that's where we need to, Hey, you know, run through the finish line, finish strong, uh, uh, be the best that we can be. And so the vision of the champion, you know, Anson Dorns talked about that obviously with, uh, North Carolina women's soccer, uh, he saw Mia Hamm doing that one day and, 
And so what I love about that too, it's, it's very proactive and, and, and she was taking ownership of her practice. So I think it's kind of also about going the extra mile. So it's like, you know, anyone could kind of show up and do, and do what the coach says, but I think that the great athletes do more than what the coach says, or they do outside work. So, you know, a lot of athletes that I've worked with said, you know, like, we'll say things like, okay, we had team practice. Now it's time to do some, some of my own practice. And, and now you got also obviously need to be careful with that. So you don't overdo it. And sometimes it's doing less. It might be, man, I'm really going to work hard on my recovery today. Yes. Awesome. I love it. Um, the next one is we just got a few more of these ones is champions play to win. Failure is just feedback. There's everything to gain by trying your best. Yeah. I, a lot of times we talk about, you know, winning and losing in sports, but when you really think about it, how can you lose something that you never had? To me, it's either you win or you, you know, you, you learn or you grow or, you know, but, and, and you had a fun time getting after what you wanted, but um, you know, to me is, is losing something means you had it and then you lost it. Um, which, so in some ways it doesn't, losing doesn't even make sense to me. Uh, but you know, if you don't get the W, uh, did you have fun trying to get the W? Did you give it your best shot? And then what did you learn that could help you to be even better next time? So winning usually makes us happy. Um, not winning, uh, usually makes us wiser. I love that because I actually, I did a TED talk this year about failure, what I learned from not making the Olympics. And mm -hmm. um, it was all about my experience of how at the time I thought that was, you know, the worst thing ever, mm -hmm. but actually in, in hindsight, you know, the, that experience and learning from it is probably the best thing that would have happened to me. Cause I learned a lot about my mental health and my mindset and things that needed to be improved moving forward in my life and new sports and, and so on that probably wouldn't have happened if I didn't you know, have that failure. And so I'm grateful for, you know, having just experience trying to, trying to make it and trying to be my best in the process of that. Well, to me, that's what, to, I would say, that's what a true champion is. And, and I would say you, by putting yourself out there, you know, kind of putting everything out there on the line and, and giving it your best shot to me, that is being a champion. Now we, we're not always going to be the champion that day or, you know, um, uh, but uh, to me is, is having the courage to get after it and, you know, hey, this is what I want and I'm willing to, to go for it. Uh, to me, that's really special. And, and that can, can be a rare ingredient <laughs> because most of us are, are too worried and scared and playing small in life. I, I think that's the biggest thing. And I hope that's, that doesn't hold people back, especially in the new year is, you know, try to let go of some of those things, those maybe that perception of other people publicly seeing you fail. I know that's something that was in my, my head back in the day when I was, when I was a little bit younger and pursuing that goal. And, um, I think a lot of people they use that to hold them back, whether they want to start a business or go all in on their sport, or, you know, even if they want to start, when I started competing in snowboarding, I was no good. I could barely turn. And so everyone laughed at me when I said, I want to be a pro snowboarder, but I was like, you know, if I can keep improving, it's possible. And I, I think there's something to just letting go of that perception because, you know, people are going to judge you either way, even if when, once you make it to the top, so you might as well just go for it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite story, uh, uh, one of my favorite stories, and this came from the champions mind book is I interviewed Natalie cook and she's a five-time Olympian, a gold medalist in, in women's, you know, in, in sand beach volleyball. And, um, she was a young girl saying, you know, Hey, I want to be an Olympic champion. And at first it's funny. She said, I don't even know what sport, <laughs> but I want to be an Olympic champion. Anyway, her dad and her grandfather really encouraged her and said, Hey, set in that almost like a, that seems impossible goal. You know, and if you really go for it, then you have really nothing to lose, everything to gain. And eventually she did, she landed on, you know, sand or beach volleyball and said, I want to win the 2000 Olympics in, in Sydney, where she's from, you know, in, in Australia. And she ended up winning the gold medal. But my favorite part of the whole story is, and she surrounded her life with gold, which is pretty cool. She painted her nails gold. She wore gold boxer shorts. She, you know, everything was gold around her to remind her of, you know, hey, you know, think big and, and and uh, get better today. Um, but so anyway, she wins the gold medal and she was asked, well, what if you didn't win the gold medal? You've been saying, you know, your whole life, you want to win the gold medal. And this is it right here. She said, well, if I didn't win the gold medal, I would have painted whatever medal I got gold. And I really like that because it's about living a gold medal life. It's not about the medal. It's about, you know, really having the courage to, to uh, live, be vitally involved in your life, uh, pursuing the things that are most meaningful. 
And that's what she did. And then, you know, the actual gold medal, Olympic gold medal that she got is just more icing on the cake. I'm I'm so grateful you brought up that story. It was actually, it was healing for me to hear because I have a similar background where I was three years old. I said, I wanted to do the Olympics, had no idea what sport. My whole life became sport and training until eventually I had to choose between hockey and, and snowboarding. Um, and I did the same thing, put out posters everywhere of the Olympic medals, of the podium, of everything, quotes, um, read all the books, you know, every, my whole life was dedicated to this goal. And then it didn't happen. And in my, you know, reflection at a point, I was thinking, I, I didn't have that same mindset where I was thinking, you know, what was this all for if it doesn't lead to that gold medal at the end? But now, you know, hearing that story and especially with just my reflection over the past year since since that occurred and since I didn't, you know, achieve that goal, um, it, it's similar where I'm like, you know what, like it, you know, the gold medal is is putting in all that effort and, and making taking those chances and where I am now. It's not like, OK, now my life is going downhill. It's like I'm taking all that into whatever I do next. Yeah, I would say you became a gold medal person, and that's way more important than any medals anyone could ever give you. Love that. Um, next one is the mental abilities of confidence, concentration. Love the importance of concentration here. And composure are crucial for being a champion in everything you undertake, be it work, sports, uh, or sports, or both. Well, that's what's really cool uh, uh, about the mental game is that doesn't really matter the sport or even the craft, uh, those three qualities, you know, and then we talked a little bit about commitment as well, or competitiveness, but, uh, when I've worked with, you know, business professionals, surgeons, uh, you know, all sorts of different performing artists, uh, you know, pro and uh, Olympic athletes, we talk about a lot of the same things, <laughs> which is, you know, like, Hey, how can you believe in yourself to an unbelievable level? You know, how can you focus on the right thing at the right time? Uh, how can you stand tall when that hurricane of, you know, pressure swirls around you? And it's, so it's the same thing. And that's, you know, perform, high performance is high performance. And so all of us should be working on those uh, qualities of a champion. Uh, and they're so crucial. But, you know, the sad thing is most of us leave those to chance and circumstance. You know, the old school approach was, well, you're either born with it or you're not. Um, or, you know, just... You know, you got to almost win before you can feel those kind of ways. And so to me, these are just skills that we could all learn and develop. Awesome. So important. And then the last one, and this is a, a topic I'd love to dive into, is mental toughness can be demonstrated at a particular moment in time or over the long term, as in your overall career success. Doing the thing that is hard over and over again is like depositing money in your inner strength bank account. Yeah, well, uh, mental toughness, uh, Mia Hamm, I mentioned her earlier, uh, you know, uh, American superstar in soccer. Uh, she said that's the number one attribute of an athlete uh, needs to be mental toughness. And then you hear people like uh, Tom Brady say it's all about mental toughness. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what is it? Well, to me, it's just being positive and proactive uh, under the most adverse conditions. And so anyone can be positive and proactive when things are going your way. Uh, can you be positive and proactive when you're having your B game? Uh, or can you be positive and proactive when you're really sore and tired before you even get to practice? <laughs> and so, uh, or when, you know, something comes out of left field or, you know, life throws you a curveball, can you do your best to hit it, still hit it out of the park? And so to me, mental toughness is, you know, it probably better terms for it would be emotional resiliency, things like that. But uh, the old school approach was mental toughness is like gritting your teeth or risking an injury or, you know, not having any feelings or having someone yell at you while you do pushups, <laughs> you know, and that's, that, that's more like abuse than, than, uh, than anything else. But uh, mental toughness to me is just, you know, if you could kind of, when your head hits the pillow at the end of the day, say, man, I was pretty mentally tough out there. Uh, it wasn't an easy day, but I got the best out of today. I love that the example you brought up because I've been trying to to not push, but just, you know, share that my mental toughness is not like the opposite of, you know, taking care of your mental health. It goes hand in hand. In fact, you know, it's mentally tough to be open and vulnerable about your mental health and, and figure out some of those stuff. But I think for a long time, people put them on opposite ends where it was like those crazy motivational videos you see on YouTube with people yelling and saying, you got to hold your breath for 10 minutes underwater. Mm -hmm. And if you can't, you're not mentally tough. And and then, you know, the other side of people, you got to take care of your mental health and do this where it's like those things are, are, are actually hand in hand. Yeah. And, and I love that you that you bring up mental health because there's no health without mental health. And 
Um, and so I'm also a licensed professional counselor and, and I love working with people for off the field kind of stuff, because again, life is really, really challenging and, you know, it's okay to feel depressed at times. It's okay to feel anxious at times. It's okay to feel, um, you know, frustrated or annoyed at times. Uh, it's just kind of how long do we feel those things? You know, we don't want to pitch a 10 in those feelings, but also too, you know, those could be signals um, to make positive changes in our life as well. Um, so, but uh, I, I do love that that's uh, that the mental health topic is being discussed more and more and that more athletes and performers are reaching out uh, for help and support. Um, because at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, again, living a gold medal life and being the best that we can be. And we don't need to, you know, there truly is, even though I like the idea of kind of being a self-made person, there really is no self-made person. We all depend on each other. And so having special people, with special skills around you, including, you know, sports psychologists or professional counselors, things like that, um, take advantage of it. That's, that's extremely important. And I think, you know, we're a product of our environment. So if we put mm -hmm. these, this better environment of, you know, whether that be a counselor or someone we can speak to, um, that's only just going to turn out better. Now, what, going back to the, the quote um, and mental toughness, he said, doing the thing that is hard over and over again is like depositing money in your inner strength bank account. And um, something I like to share a lot is that, you know, when I have let's say uh, a thought where I'm like, oh, it's, it's kind of cold to go running outside today and that's my training. Or, um, you know, I really just don't feel like it. It'd be nice to just stay in my couch and not do that second session or whatever it is. When that negotiation happens and I can like, say, Hey, no, shut it down and actually take action. I'm like, that's a rep of building towards, you know, mental toughness and making that decision a little bit easier next time. So from that perspective, is there any sort of daily practice that people can, can do or some sort of skills work to work on mental toughness, or is it just making that hard decision and keep making it over and over? Yeah, I think part of it is when you don't feel like doing something, you know, we know, we all know when we're BSing ourselves. So, you know, if it's like, I just don't feel like doing it because, you know, I don't feel like doing it. Well, that, that, then I'm not going to give that thought of vote, <laughs> you know, that um, it's a mental toughness day. Come on. This is when I get to use all those mental skills and strategies that I've been working on. Uh, so keep your feet moving and, and get it done. And you'll be glad that you did. Now, if you're really, you know, there's a part of you that's like, man, you know, this could make things worse. Uh, you know, I could be risking an injury, you know, maybe I truly do need a day off. And, uh, then, you know, and, and, and you could look in the mirror and say that with a straight face, then listen to that voice. Uh, so decide, you know, I am, is, is this going to make me stronger? Or is this going to make me weaker? And, um, we all have those little, uh, moments throughout our day, uh, could be in the morning, could be during the day, could be near the end of practice, like we talked about, you know, like, am I going to just kind of go through the motions here for the next five, 10 minutes, or am I going to really, you know, finish strong, like a champion. And so look for those opportunities. And then in terms of self-awareness, ask yourself, when do I tend to play small and how can I be bigger in those moments? Mm, so important. I love that. Um, are there any, like any other practices, meditation or different things that you recommend that, that people take up that can really help them with just building an overall stronger mindset or a champion's mind? I definitely am a big fan of gratitude. Uh, the best athletes and performers and the you know, most successful fulfilled people that I've been around are, are, you know, they do have that attitude of gratitude rather than a sense of entitlement. Um, and, and entitlement is more like, you know, people owe me, the game owes me, um, you know, if I put in the hard work, then I automatically should get certain results. And I like the attitude of gratitude, which is every day, every game, every, you know, uh, every opportunity is a privilege and, um, I'm going to really appreciate it and enjoy it to the max and get the most out of it. And when we're grateful, we tend to attract other positive people and other, you know, positive things in our life. So, you know, it could be just as simple as uh, writing down three things that you were grateful or thankful for at the end of your day, and just spending an extra moment or two, just kind of, you know, uh, savoring that, uh, whatever, you know, it was that day, it might've been a coach that said, Hey, you know, gave, you know, kind of pumped your tires a little bit, or it could have been, you know, maybe finishing strong on a, in a workout and then saying, you know, man, I'm really grateful uh, for that opportunity to get better today. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think gratitude is big. Uh, meditation's big too. Um, just spending a couple minutes, uh, even just 
of quiet time. We tend not to do that. We rush from, you know, one technology to another technology. And I think just being able to sit quietly and, you know, I love the saying silence is golden. <laughs> so think of meditation as golden too, where you can just kind of be with yourself and check in with yourself and kind of take stock of your world. Mm. And I love you mentioned gratitude because I think if there's a habit that that people maybe should try to build for the new year, it's you know it's something like gratitude journaling, and I think it's so important. And you can maybe tie it in with meditation, where before you start your meditation, you think about something you're gra- grateful for, and then kind of meditate on it. I think that's so important. And talking about you know kind of the new year, I think a lot of people maybe they have habits they want to build, whether it's you know, training harder or certain goals they want to achieve. And this involves changing up some of their habits and, um, you know, motivation, I think, as, as you've mentioned in your books, is kind of short term and, and it comes and goes. And then there's discipline. How can people, you know, build discipline? How can this, this be built? And is it connected to mental toughness in a way? Yeah, I, I love goals. I love dreams. Uh, I love big ideas. Uh, I do think, though, that what helps more are, you know, is, is having a, a, is value setting. Uh, uh, and that is, what do I really value? Who do I want to be? Uh, how do I want to be known as, um, you know, kind of what's my MO or trademark. And so come up with a list of your top five values, personal values. Mm-hmm. And so these, these need to be authentic to yourself. And so one of them could be hard work. One of them could be competitiveness. One of them could be excellence. Uh, but a list that, you know, and then if obviously if you're in a team sport or just being a, a team player, uh, could be service, uh, could be a really cool one. But, um, I think that if you have those values, those are going to really help you to stay committed to being the best you can be, uh, because goals, if we have goals that are really long-term, then it's almost like there's no sense of urgency, you know, well, I'll, I'll really push it tomorrow instead of today. Mm-hmm. Or if we feel like I'm running, you know, those goals might not happen, then we're more likely to maybe give up uh, soon, sooner rather than later. So, but values are things that are in the moment that you could uh, flex every day. And so write down your, write down your goals, but then also write down your values and then focus more on the values. That's, that's a great answer because I think, you know, people, for example, even with my shoulder rehab, there's times where I'm like, okay, you know, today's, it's not been a good week. You know, I'll, I'll kind of push hard on my training program next week. It's a thought that comes in my mind. Cause I'm like, you know, it's still going to be a long time before I can compete. And then I have to be like, wait a second. No, no, no. Like this isn't my value. Like I value, you know, working hard and, um, putting in the work and doing those little details. So why am I skipping things and saying, I'll be more disciplined next week that just doesn't add up. And so I love that differentiator. And I think values, that's, that's definitely something that, that people could, uh, could grab onto, you know, the gratitude list, that was a great one. And, and then thinking about their values, definitely something, you know, to put forward in the new year. Absolutely. I love the, uh, the example that you just gave, which is, you know, if it's kind of like getting my shoulder, you know, healed and, you know, and functional and, and back to normal or better, or what, you know, uh, at the ideal, uh, you know, place, um, that's great. But you're right. I, I love, you know, if it's excellence or it's, uh, you know, competitiveness, then it could be like, you know, no, I'm not going to wait till tomorrow because excellence is, you know, how can I be excellent at my rehab today or competitiveness? It's I'm going to compete against myself or others to see how well I could recover. Mm. And so then it's more immediate um, and it's more helpful. Yeah. I love, I love uh, gratitude. I love, um, you know, goal setting. I love value setting. Uh, body language is another big one. Um, you know, when you watch champions there, you know, in, in your favorite sport, uh, they don't, uh, what's the saying, uh, and everything in nature with its head down gets eaten. Uh, they always have their head up, you know, their chin up. And, and so being mindful of our body language, you know, am I walking like a champion, even when I have doubts, I think that's important. Hmm. Now I'm, I'm so curious, like what, what got you into the mental side of sports and what have been some of your like proudest accomplishments over your, your career? And especially, you know, putting out the books and the knowledge that you do. Yeah. Well, I, I love this topic. Uh, and partly because when I grew up, so this was a little bit, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, in the mid late eighties, early nineties, when I'm, you know, competing my best in sports, um, I had, I mean, we're human. And so I had, you know, I'd get nervous before I would perform or I might find myself in a slump or, and, you know, all those kind of mental game challenges that everyone has. And, 
I, I was always curious. And I'd, so I'd ask my dad or, you know, a coach or a teammate, you know, hey, what do you do? And or what can I do in these types of situations? And uh, I never got any satisfactory answers. So I had to start looking myself. And and then it's just been a wonderful kind of discovery process. Uh, and then when I was in grad school, so I studied psychology uh, and I started learning more about this field of sports psychology. And that really fascinated me because I'm like, man, these are really not only would these help in sport, but they're really life skills, you know, uh, so they could help us in everything that we do. And then uh, I've really gone down that rabbit hole. So I love, you know, all these topics, you know, under that umbrella, visualization, self-talk, goal setting, um, you know, gratitude, all, you know, all these things are really pretty cool. And it's not something that we really are taught, but yet it, make, it can make the biggest difference. But uh, what I'm most proud about is, you know, when it, to be honest, the, the books that I've been writing, uh, that's one thing because, and the reason I say that is because I've had to use all these mental skills and strategies to finish these books because I'm not na a naturally gifted writer. And so to me, it's a big time challenge to sit down and be disciplined and to write these books. Uh, and everyone likes, you know, uh, what's the, there's an old saying that, you know, I don't like to write, but I like to have written, you know, it's fun to be able to look at something you've written, but yeah. the process is really tough. And so that's what I'm proud about because again, it, I have to go against the grain. It's never easy for me to write. I love that. It's like, you know, having the gold medal is great, but there's a lot of work and days that aren't that fun that, that can go, uh, go into that. So, um, yeah, well, I appreciate that you've written those books and you've pushed through cause it's obviously helped so many people. And that's a, I, I, I like what you just said there. It, that's one thing that we all have to realize is that there's way more grunt work than glitter, mm -hmm. uh, on the path to excellence. And so, you got to find a way to fall in love with that grunt work. And, and that's where the, the mental toughness comes into play that we talked about. And you're never going to regret it because, you know, when you take a shot at something and give it your best effort and, and attitude, uh, it's who you become in the process, not just what you accomplish in the process. Hmm. I also love what you said about, you know, sports psychology really being kind of life skills. Um, and that's, that's kind of the idea of this podcast. And it's why I love having, you know, an expert like yourself on as well as athletes as we might talk in the context of sports, or, you know, competition or whatever it is, but it's meant for everybody. Not all our listeners are athletes or ever want to be elite athletes, or maybe they're former athletes, but these are life skills and just the examples in sports. It's just, it's so easy to talk about. It's so easy to visualize for somebody listening and and then be able to apply them to their own lives yeah and that's what makes life exciting is when we you know that's what i love about sports is that it is a great metaphor for everything else and uh and also too it's uh it's really amazing being you know telling the world that look this is what i want to accomplish and then doing something that everyone could watch <laughs> you know so you can't hide when you're when you're an athlete and so i love that it takes a lot of courage and we don't give athletes enough credit for that uh but it really does take a lot of courage physical and mental you know emotional courage to really get after it but but to me it's again it fall, all falls back to Am I leading a gold medal life? And, and again, uh, that means being the best you can be at what you love to do. And, um, and, and you're going to feel more alive when you do that versus settling for silver, which means, you know, good is good enough or, you know, I'm not willing to take any risks in life. Hmm. Now I have three quick questions that I ask all the guests. And, and the first one is out of all your daily habits, what is the one biggest game changer for you? The one biggest game changer for me in terms of all my daily habits is just, you know, I would say is having that attitude of gratitude. I feel really fortunate that I get to have conversations like this with, you know, with, with amazing people and amazing athletes and, um, and, uh, and get to travel and do all these cool things. I learn more from the athletes I work with than I, than they probably learn from me. So, um, so it, just that gratitude and, and with family and those kind of things that, you know, I'm grateful for the people in my life. Well, I'm definitely grateful for you coming on and sharing this knowledge. The, uh, the next question is if you're, you're at the end of your life, you're looking back on all you've accomplished in one word, what's the impact that you wanted to have made? I think the one word I wanted to make is uh, it's going to sound really corny, but I would say love because uh, it, to me, it's the most powerful emotion uh, 
versus let's say fear or anger or even joy. And so it's, it's, it's providing more love in the world in terms of, you know, loving what I do and hopefully helping other people love what they do even more. Mm, I love that. And uh, I've actually lately, I've been forgetting to tell people that the, the question has always been, you know, answer with one word, which is usually fairly tough. Some people take longer, easier. And I've been realizing the last few times I haven't told people one word. And so I, I'm glad it worked out. And I'm going back to the one word because I think it's cool to kind of summarize it into something maybe unconventional. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's fun just thinking about the, trying to boil it down to one word. So I love your, I love your question. The last one is what does being all in mean to you? Being all in to me is not giving yourself an out. <laughs> so that means I, if I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do, uh, and, and what I, you know, say that means the most to me, I'm 10 out of 10 on, in terms of my commitment. I am putting both feet in and I'm not going to give myself an out. And so again, I'm either going to, uh, you know, it's kind of like taking a castle. I'm either going to take that castle or I'm going to try to, you know, knock that thing down, but I'm going to have a ball getting after it and have fun trying to take it, you know, to accomplish my goal. But, uh, you know, that, that to me is being all in is not giving yourself an out. So when athletes ask, you know, when I ask athletes, what's your commitment on a 10 to, you know, on a, from one to 10 in terms of, you know, being the best you can be, if it's anything less than a 10, you just gave yourself an out. Right. Oh, I love that. That kind of goes back to, you know, what you said when I, we were talking about discipline of, you know, having those values and then sticking to them. I, I love that. So what, where can people find you if they want to learn more? They want to get your books. I know, I, I think you have a champion's mind app as well. Yep. So I have an app out where we're kind of at a place now where we're trying to figure out, um, you know, different possibilities for it. Uh, but uh, in terms of books, uh, again, the leader's mind is out now. And, and, and what's really neat about that is, uh, each chapter uh, is a case study of, uh, you know, of, of uh, a leader um, that, and they're not just sports coaches. So uh, it's, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, we do look at Steve Kerr, but uh, my co-author and I, Phil White, we also look at Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor. Yeah, we look yes, at, we, yeah, we look yeah, uh, fighter pilot, uh, neurosurgeon, those kind of things. And so, again, you see that lead, good leadership is good leadership across the board. But yeah, I'm on Twitter at Gold Metal Mind. And then um, I'm updating my website. It's currently goldmetalmind.net, but it's going to be Dr. Jim Afromo if that's not taken. <laughs> so, um, uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm on Twitter and then and then Jim Afromo on, on uh, Instagram. And then I'm on LinkedIn as well. So. Amazing. Well, I'll definitely put that all in the show notes. I'm so grateful that you you took the time to spend an hour out with us. It's it's been great, and it's also been been great to connect um, and and have heard your book. Uh, it made a big impact on me, The Champion's Mind. So, anyone listening, definitely go check that out as well as your other books. I definitely will be reading The Champion's Comeback because <laughs> it's definitely something I need as I head into this year of starting to my shoulders getting to the point where we're starting to get back to some of the movements uh, that I was doing in the past, some of the lifting. So. Um, yeah, appreciate you again for coming on. Grateful for everything that you put out in the world, the athletes you've helped and uh, the knowledge that you share. Thanks so much, Nat. And uh, I'll be rooting for you with your injury recovery process. And then uh, hoping everyone has a gold medal day today. So You're thank awesome. you. Hey, I think that the greatest gift in life is presence. So thank you so much for gracing me with your presence of tuning in to this episode. Now, something that I would appreciate a ton and would help this podcast keep growing is if you, one, take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media so more people can find the podcast and hopefully we can help impact more people. As well as number two is if you can leave a rating and a written review. That means so much. And once again, thank you for being here.